I am Jorge M. Sanchez, and you are listening to JMS Podcast. Today we have a great guest. Today, guest is an artist from here, San Jose. His name is Miguel Machuca, and uh, he, he was a great guy to talk to. Uh, I saw him a while back during Cinequest. He was painting a live painting in front of a crowd, and I was looking at work, and it's like on the first day you have like a, a sketch of what he's working on, but you have no idea. By the third day I saw him, I was like, he had a full-on portrait. It was so beautiful. I'm like. I gotta ask around who that guy is, cause I'm a shy guy. I like, I don't want to go up to him and be like, "Hey, want to be my podcast?" Like, I don't know. I felt shy about it, so I was like, "I'm gonna ask some of my artist friends." And I got his contact, and I sent him a message, and I reached out, and he reached back, and he's here, and he sat in front of me, and we talked it out. We had a grid talk. Uh, we went all over the place when it comes to art, and here in San Jose, and for me, it was very eye-opening, cause uh, he had some experiences that were fascinating. And in a lot of ways, inspirational for me. So yeah, so stay tuned for my conversation with Miguel Machuca. First of all, I got a couple of developments that I got to talk about. But before we get there, if this is your first time listening, please subscribe to the JMS podcast, whether it's on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. If not, you could always follow JMS Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, and a new thing I have is you can even sign on our email mailing list. It's a good way to stay on top about which episodes are coming out, which articles I've written, or in general, any video content I've created. And, you know, just check stuff out. Uh, with For more information, please go to the jmspodcast.com website. That is jmspodcast.com website. All right, people. Uh, if you haven't, you know, known, I've already graduated about a month ago, yay, uh, still waiting for that degree to come in the mail, but in that, uh, I'm kind of going through a transitional period in my life now, it's like, oh crap, like 20 years or so, I've been labeled a student, now I'm out here, it's like I have, I have to like label myself now, and uh, well, I guess what, what, what I'm going with this is that every week, well for the most part, most mo- most weeks, I'm here and I'm meeting someone new, or with a friend. And I'm providing content out here with this podcast. And I really, really, really wish to continue this. Although I'm going through this transitional period. So I've started a GoFundMe campaign. Uh, pretty much it's just going to pay for the uh, the website maintenance and the fees uh, to keep uh, certain podcast hosting places. And that way, you know, uh, because keep in mind, I, I, this podcast, it's all out of pocket. And... For me, I wouldn't have it any other way because uh, it really allowed me to be very independent and be able to have creative control about which content. So for me to keep this podcast independent is very important to me. And I'm, actually, I'm very surprised that I've managed to scrounge up money for a lot of this equipment that was pretty pricey. Uh, so I think the hard part is done. I think at, at this point with this podcast, it's just about maintenance. So please check out the GoFundMe campaign. Uh, search GMS Podcast at the GoFundMe.com webpage. And if not, just uh, follow us on Facebook and I'll have all the links right there. And for all of those who are already donating, thank you so much. i got to give a big shout out to Marty Mario who has donated to the GoFundMe campaign for the JMS Podcast. Uh, Marty Mario, thank you. He's a great friend of mine, a great musician. And he was also a uh, a guest here at the JMS Podcast. 
next is Wild. Okay, his Facebook is Wild Bill, but his real name is Will Lineberry. Will Lineberry, thank you for donating to the JMS podcast. Much thank you. Uh, Will Lineberry is a good friend of mine, and we're actually collaborating on an event coming up, uh, which I should mention by the end of this intro. But uh, Will Lineberry, thank you so much for donating to the JMS podcast and keeping this podcast alive. Much appreciated. And again, people, please check it out. Go fund me, JMS Podcast. I've briefly mentioned, but we have a email mailing list you can subscribe to. Uh, you can go to the jmspodcast.com website at the bottom of the homepage right there. It's so easy. You just go in there, you put your email, and that's about it. Well, you might get like a confirmation email. But other than that, that's it. You know, it's like, because I get it. People are too busy. You don't check your social media all the time or anything else you subscribe. But hey, everybody checks their email every day. And if you're like, oh, yeah, I don't mind getting email like once a week by Jorge and, and see what guest he has on. Then you should subscribe to my mailing list. JMSpodcast.com at the bottom of the homepage. Subscribe to the mailing list. That would be awesome. That would be very much appreciated. All right. Upcoming events. On, let's see, what's today? I see, I'm so messed up. I'm getting my months confused. But on June 25th, that's right, June 25th, at Tap Tempo, which is the music store on Bascom, there is a two-year anniversary uh, for this establishment. And we are having some great live music outside the place with some great deals. So please, on June 25th, you should check out Tap Tempo. Uh, it's a Saturday. And I'll be there. A lot of my musicians' friends will be there. And we're going to have a good time. Uh, so if you have nothing going on on Saturday, come on by to Tap Tempo Music Shop at 1262 South Bascom Avenue, San Jose. It, again, it's all just about having a good time. So, And it starts at, I believe it starts at 1. Yes, it's from 1 to 7. And we're trying our best to get some food there. And we'll get everybody fed as well. So, see you there. Tap Temple Music Shop, June 25th. Alright, without much further ado, let's go on with our talk with Miguel Machuca. I'm glad you're here. Uh, it's pretty awesome. Thank you. Uh, I think the first time I seen your work was at Cinequest. Cinequest. Okay. You were you were painting in the course of three days, mm-hmm. right? Was it three days or was well, it? Well, it was two weeks, but yeah, I was uh, painting the piece for about three days. Three days. And h- how is that? Uh, uh, as far as painting something on the spot in front of people, I I love it in the sense that. Um, it kind of gives you a deadline rush like it it you commit to a project and it helps you the pressure helps you with your creative process 10 times old like instead of having okay well I have two years I have a year I have six months okay I could take my time but I personally like to jump into a projects like that because it challenges me and it helps me push the uh, the envelope so when I was told about that Cinequest opportunity uh, through my f- a good friend Sherry Lakey and uh, Brian um, Etter, that they're both uh, 
um, they both uh, own Anno Domini, uh, which they also have uh, Phantom Galleries, which asked me if I wanted to be uh, a feature artist, and I said, sure. It was two days before the actual date to start, and so as soon as I said yes, I said, okay, I went to go buy my materials, I prepped my stuff up for those two days, and then on that day that I started CineQuest, I started just developing the piece itself. So I didn't even know what I was going to do until I started that day, which is awesome. Really? So, so before you came on, you, di you didn't really uh, know what you were going to paint? I had an idea because they told me that the theme was Unite. Yeah. Uh, unity. And that's like up my alley because I'm always... Uh, all of my pieces have this narrative where it talks about either interconnectedness or uh, being uh, connected with everyone else or or the elements, uh, the universe, the planets, the stars, uh, uh, sacred geometry, all that stuff. So I had an idea of what I wanted to do because of the theme, Unity. And I said, well, what could be an abstract way to uh, explain and share my thought of Unity to the rest of the public at, for CineQuest? And so I said, well, if I want to draw or I want to paint a person I don't want to just paint a person because I don't want to identify one person only I want to make it universal so I said well a heart a heart everyone owns a heart right uh, it's a human you know heart uh, it's got emotions through it you feel your love for your creations for whatever you want to do and I said well you know what let's let's put three hearts three people connected and it represents creating it represents passion it represents like you know uh, the emotion and I attach the artists together, meaning that they're in a constant flow of collaboration. And the fluid coming out of the hearts was uh, the actual creation, the art, the the collaboration in full effect. Right. Yeah. Uh, which I find fascinating because I was watching you paint. And I'm like, as you mentioned, there's pressure. But I was like, was there at any point where like, oh, no, this is not what uh, I might have to re rethink this. And I only have like a day left or two days left yeah, to finish it. it. It's every day, yeah. <laughs> every every time, every time. Uh, and that's what I mean about challenging yourself. I I like to put myself in those situations because ultimately I know I can do it. Do I know how I'm going to go about it? No, it's it's problem solving as you go along. But the deadline is there for you to visualize it and to know that, okay, well, I can't mess around. I got to do this. I got to push the envelope. I got to push my creativity to to a point where I can execute fearlessly. And so I did. And um, it was awesome because I had friends already that had participated in that project prior, you know, years prior to that. I had my friend Lacey Bryan, my friend Andrea J. Hart, my friend Patrick Hoffmeister, um, he's also one of my studio mates. Um, so I had an idea of what they did before. Now, this year was a little different because they only got two artists. And when I started to add into the pressure, they kind of like, uh, not, not intentionally, but um, they said, oh, it's a it's a contest as, as well. You're going to be competing with the other artists. Oh, you didn't know it was a contest I, until I, the day I, of you, you, you arrived? Until I arrived and I sat down and they told me, I was like, oh, okay. Which in a way kind of like, not let me down, but um, kind of made me feel like, well, I don't even know the other artists. Like, right. how, how are we competing if it were probably two different artists? Like, well, isn't it kind of dan dangerous waters for to put artists in a competition? Considering that art is such a subjective, personal uh, 
medium? No, I totally agree. It's just that I think that the reason why they did it is because they wanted to involve the public with the whole artist and the live painting. So they gave the uh, the public the choice to be able to vote for your favorite piece. And I think that was a, a genius way to to get the uh, the public involved with the um, the branch of the live artists there for Cinequest, which mm-hmm. it worked out perfectly because once I realized um, I met the other artist and we knew we were both different artists, uh, and it kind of challenged us in, in a way at the same time, um, but then it allowed everyone else, like our family and our friends and our loved ones, to, uh, to vote for whoever they wanted to. And fortunately, I was blessed enough to where I got enough votes and I was claimed a Oh, so winner. you won. Yeah. I you was, were the winner. I, was I first, didn't know that. Winner. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. appreciate that. It was a great feeling. <laughs> Oh, okay. But I think it would be interesting. Let's say you lost. It's like, mm-hmm. what does that mean? Like, what does that really mean to lose an art competition? Not just Cinequest, but like in general. Um, if I would have lost um, Cinequest or any other competition, um, which I have in the past, yeah, it's it's a letdown, but um, especially as an artist because we tend to be really hard on ourselves because we're trying to create the best that we have inside ourselves every time but it's in a way it's like you you win already like I had expressed uh, through social media how happy I was and, and I said you know what I just found out that it was a contest and uh, you know eh, whatever but you know um, we're already winners anyways because we're participating together and just being part of Cinequest was a prize for me um, I get to meet people I get to, I met some directors I met some actors uh, I met a different artist that I didn't know that it's in, he's she's in San Jose. Um, met connections that you win no matter what you know what right. I mean. Um, yeah. But just having the title, it's of course it's nice. You know, it's 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 a it's a it's a good uh, it's a good thing for you to to feel. Um, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, that wasn't the first time you've painted. Like I guess the word I want to say is live or like in yeah. front of people. No, right? no, no. It's been years. I I do that. All How many time. years I've been doing that? Well, I started with a nonprofit called Heart of Chaos uh, with my good friend mentor Joanne Lock Hobbs, and uh, we took on this uh, organization, um, basically trying to speak out for the youth at risk, and we we're trying to help them uh, with shows and to uh, find uh, venues for their their first show their first solo show um and so i did it for three years with my mentor and then we met a group of uh great individuals from uh, brooks college they were all graphic designers and they came into our team so we decided to be heart of chaos um and this is based in san jose this is based in san jose um it's www.heartofchaos.net uh, you can go check it out and it's it's grown so so big um so anyways uh, after meeting them we took on the project for about Got a few years we were throwing shows we were putting shows together chalk art festivals and I was the one director that would always do live painting for our shows just to start getting people into the mix like a, like an icebreaker you know what I mean um, people come in they see someone painting live they like the process because they usually see a finished uh, piece but they don't see the progress of a, of a piece that's gonna be finished throughout that show so uh, it allows the viewer to ask questions uh, and so I begin that I begin getting that experience. Do you welcome that at people asking questions while you're painting? I do because really? um because at least for me uh, I love to talk and I any chance that I have to explain to you what this piece means, mm-hmm. it's 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 awesome for me. 
But you were never like, uh, just wait till I finish and I'll tell you what it no, means. Because no. I, don't, I don't even know what it means right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because you usually have like an idea. Um, it's, it's I, I always call it like the seed or you call it the root. Um, at least in my case, uh, you have a basic idea of what your vision is. It hasn't pr- uh, come out yet completely, but you have that idea. So then say you, I'm doing an abstract piece. Like a, a long time ago, I did an abstract piece at a uh, live show. And all I did was sit down at the art show and there was music, there was people talking, there was, you know, people serving drinks, uh, so on, so on. And so I said, well, what should I paint? What should I paint? And I was really into the crowd and I started noticing that I was picking up certain conversations through the whole room. And so I said, all right, well, I grabbed my brush and I dipped some, my brush in the paint and I started doing lines. A constant line you know in one color and so I kept on switching colors and at the end of the night I had this piece that was abstract and a bunch of different colors and a lot of layers and each line I realized that it was a different conversation that I picked up so I called the piece conversations and when people come up to me and they say hey well, what does this mean I said well that means that this person was having this conversation I felt that vibe kind of like soothing this one was kind of dark, so I made a darker color. This was kind of like, you know, rough and kind of angry, so I used this color. Yeah. But the ultimate project piece and the finished product, it's done, and you look at it, and you're like, wow. Like, I would never think those lines mean a conversation. Did you get specific when somebody asked, oh, what's this? Oh, this is your specific conversation. No, no, no. I just... In, in dark blue? Because <laughs> it was very dark. Yeah. No, I kind of I leave it to yeah. for the person to kind of, like, make that relation. You know right. I mean? like, like, oh, my God, one of my conversations mm-hmm. might be in this painting. Right, exactly. Right. Fascinating. Exactly. Yeah. Now, at what point were you comfortable uh, to do live paintings? Like, at what point were you like, all right, I, I've done enough I don't know in studio painting Mm. at what what point where you're like alright I think I have confidence enough to paint in front of an audience I think I would have to say maybe the first six months that we started doing this back in 2002 um, maybe like six months after that I was like okay I think I have a pretty good idea of what this is and how it feels and I'm comfortable. Six months after Hearts of Chaos? Uh, six months after we started throwing shows after 2002. Yeah. And when you say shows, you're referring to like galleries and stuff uh, like yeah, that? Yeah, gallery okay. shows, uh, art shows. We had concerts with gallery shows. We had um, uh, DJs, bands, art, poets. Uh, I mean, anything that you can think of that has to do in the creative arts, we had it. We had... And a lot of like people that are, um, say, in the light right now, um, representing San Jose in their art and the creative process, uh, they they started with us too. Uh, we we used to show them, and it's it's really awesome to to have been part of something like that with the, for that community. And now you see artists that were involved with us before in the past. Right. getting there. It's like a, a community. Yeah, getting their light. You know what I mean. <laughs> people traveling. You know, having shows in different countries and mm. different cities. Yeah. How How was the first time you've done a live painting, and how, how do you say that's different from the way that you approach it now? Well, it's um, when you first do live painting, you're more more trying to stay focused on the piece and not be so nervous, because uh, you tend to get nervous. You know, um, sometimes just things go wrong. You have to improvise. Uh, and I think the big difference is that now that, for example, I just live painted uh, in Japantown. They had their first uh, uh, art walk 
uh, in a while. Um, they started back up. So my friend April G, she has a shop there uh, called Petite Galleria. She asked me and the studio we can like display some work. She goes, would you like to live paint? And I said, sure, why not? You know what I mean? Um, and since I, I did live painting there because I live in Japantown, so I'm trying to have the people, the community there find out who I am in their community. So then now I have I can be more involved in that. So I said, sure, I'll live paint. And uh, I got to her, uh, her shop. I set up outside. I put a little um, canopy and I put my piece and my, my paintbrushes and I just started painting away. And I like to do that because it's comfortable now. It's like second nature to me. I can sit there for hours and people will just pass by, look, ask questions. And it's like if I'm sitting down having a cup of coffee, hmm. you know, just enjoying my day, reading a nice book. You know what I mean? So It's interesting you mentioned Japantown. I've just realized this because hmm. I've been hanging, out, hanging around Japantown lately more. Hmm. There's a good chunk of young artists living and and collaborating in japantown yeah yeah uh, which i don't think because uh, the thing with san jose because it's so widespread a lot of uh, the art community have different pockets here and there mm. uh but with japantown there's like a, a stronghold yeah it's it's a it's a strong culture there it's a strong uh, community which is uh why i'm so uh inspired to participate you know in that um in that community I've lived there since 2002. I live on Second and Jackson, which is like not even a five-minute walk to Japantown. I hang out at uh, Roy Station Coffee all the right. time. Yeah, um, I sit there sometimes and I draw for hours. You know, sometimes I come up with some of my best pieces just sitting there at the coffee shop. You know, um, I just recently did like this little uh, experimental video um, of what my experience is uh, having a cup of coffee there. So. Um, I basically recorded a few details, uh, close-ups of like a plant and and different um, scenarios in, inside that coffee shop, and I put it all together to where, at the very end, you see the cup of coffee in the camera, and I take a sip and I put it down like, mm, this is a good experience, mm -hmm. and I involved all that, and that's just like the love and respect I have for that community, because um, they're all so close together, they all take care of that place very very well, and I like that. Empire Seven Studios is also very. Uh, active uh with japantown um the few artists uh hang out there too and then you know they drink their coffees and stuff like that you right. know we'll say hi and stuff like that um uh, april g is also a great artist she's also a vocalist she has a a, a band uh well they call her contain her uh, my buddy freddie vegas uh he's one of the bassists and does uh, uh electronic uh, music um, with her um so it's it's a thai community and i and i really am proud to be um you know, someone that lives there. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I've talked. I've actually I interviewed Carlos uh, Arroyo, the, mm. the Empire Seven. Yes. Actually, I went there for the art walk that was not too long ago. Oh yes. I, I, I went there very late though. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah. I got there at eleven, but it was still a great show. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. They have it's they have fun. very good, uh, very very good artists, and I think one thing is that the one thing that always keeps me interested in Empire Seven Studios is that they're they do things man they like they set their goals and they they don't they don't waste time it's just like boom 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 and it's all community based right and i love that because you know i don't know i kind of i tend to relate myself as a warrior too you know and like i just i see these these people as like you know uh, artist warriors you know what i mean they're always doing their thing and inspiring all the people on uh, their last show that they just had 
man, I was blown away. The last show that I went for Empire Seven was uh, Will Moran, and uh, he had a solo show, and it was amazing too. Um, so yeah, it's 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 great. Mm -hmm. They also have great murals. They do great murals all over the San Jose, uh, and sometimes and the Bay Area. I think it's a Bay Area too. So um, yeah, it's it's pretty awesome, man. Can you delve a little bit more in this uh, art warrior that that you speak of? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I believe okay so I since I believe that we're the visionaries of of the world um, we we have the responsibility I guess to go down the rabbit hole as far as we can and the rabbit hole I mean inside yourself uh, question everything um, you go as far as you can down and then you witness whatever visions you see and whatever visions you see and you're prepared and ready for it, you come back up and then you share it with the rest of the world. And that's how sometimes you change the world, you know what I mean? Um, right. So I feel it takes a certain type of uh, mentality, certain type of strength, certain type of uh, vulnerability, I think, uh, uh, to be able to do those things to which I call them like warriors, you know I mean? You have no fear to, to go down the into the depth of the darkness and pull something out and maybe you know have someone question their whole life through a vision that you've had um another thing i call i call it warriors because we're always first uh, I, I almost say it like we're marines we're um we're in the first lines you know for combat we we take it like you know we we'll do a piece we'll set it up people will talk about it people will won't like it people will like it people will express how they feel uh, you just gotta be open and you gotta be um, confident in your work and appreciate the negative and the positive of any type of feedback because that's what helps you grow as an artist. What's the biggest uh, danger or opponent to a warrior or an art warrior? Is that, is that what you want? Did you just say warrior? Or did you say yeah. art warrior? Oh, right? a warrior. Yeah. A warrior. Yeah. Um, in, in the art community, at least. I think it's yourself. Mm. I think it's always yourself. It's like a mind game, right? Yeah. It's um. You know, you you could get lost in um, ego. You can get lost in and uh, not wanting to show your work. You can get lost in thinking that you're better. Uh, you just gotta realize that everyone is better than someone at one point. But then there's always someone better than you at one point. There's someone less better than you at one point, and some at one point you were less better than someone else. So it's like no matter where you're at you're balanced with everyone else you're just in a different time zone you just have more experience you've done a little more um, but if you lose track of what your real um, point is of actually creating and that's just to create art and express your emotions and your visions whatever is going around in your environment to inspire others then you kind of like lose yourself and that would be the worst thing ever I almost did it a long time ago I started like doing so much artwork that I felt like I can do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I did it. Oh, I could do this. Oh, I could do that. Um, I can paint this. I can paint that. I can put this together. I was just being an artist because I could. Recently, uh, maybe a few years ago, I started, like back in 2012, I started realizing that I'm not just an artist. I'm I'm a voice. I'm a, I'm a link to an ancient chain that goes and dates back all the way to the first first being that ever that was ever able ever to like either carve a carve like a design on the rock or something. I'm talking about like back 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 back, and I'm part of that creative process. I'm just here in 2016 now. Right. 
and so when I realized that, I said, wow, okay, I have a responsibility. Like, I want to be the artist that I want to be. I want to be a professional artist. I want to be able to continue that movement as much as I can. So maybe down the line in 10, 15, 25, 50 years, someone else that's on their prime be like, hey, you know what? I'm a link to a chain as well. And boom. And that's how I consider uh, being a warrior. You know? That's a fascinating concept. Fascinating. Now, what was the moment that made you realize that? Like, you hit rock bottom, or, or was there like a, a certain I, I event? Did. I did. I got diagnosed last year in 2015 in January with lymphoma cancer. Uh, I went into the hospital uh, not wanting to. Uh, I was pushed to go to the hospital by my girlfriend, uh, Yolanda. She, she pushed me into it, which I thank for because. Were you expecting symptoms? I was ex- uh, I was experimenting um, a lot of stomach pain. Um, there was a throb on my uh, left uh, hip, my right hip, sorry. And it was just throbbing, throbbing, throbbing. It wasn't painful. It was just constant. So I couldn't concentrate on anything else. And so um, I went into the hospital and they're like, oh, okay, well, we'll check you up. And, oh, and I said, hey, can you run some blood tests for me? I want to see if I'm diabetic or something, you know, because my family, diabetes runs in my family. They come back and they're like, no, there's no diabetes, but you, uh, we did find small mass. And I'm like, a mass? And she's, oh, yeah, people consider it, or they call it a tumor. And I'm like, after she said like, tumor. She was very nonchalant about it? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, you might have a tumor. Yeah, you know, you, you know, you're okay, but you have a size of a, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, yeah. yeah. And so after that, all I heard was, wah, yeah. wah, 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 wah. Right. Because I was like. You, you get that cold feeling. Of course. Yeah. You know, because. I'm 38. I'm like, okay, well, this is not my life. No, I wouldn't have cancer. Come on. What is this? And so it just took a longer process and it says, oh, you can't go home. We have to admit you. And then that's when I said, okay, this is serious. And I battled it for eight months. Um, I went through chemotherapy for about seven rounds, which was a 24 hour bag of chemotherapy for five days. So 24 hour bag, one uh, for for 24 hours, another 24-hour bag, another 24-hour bag. Now, when you say bag, are you mm. referring you had to... Uh, it's like, you know, when they have the saline and they go into the IV. Right. Okay, so that's how they have the chemotherapy. Uh, it's like a cocktail. Medication, a cocktail, right. exactly. Um, and I had to take that for 24 hours at a time, and that was for a whole week. So I had to do five bags. Wow. It was crazy, man. Like, uh, And that's when I realized how life how short life is it'll hit you from like somewhere you didn't even expect that and I remember uh, being on that bed around 3 in the morning being like awake and asleep being medicated and not medicated I'm like in limbo in a way watching myself um, experience those those experiences and I was just sketching the whole time sketching 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 I felt like if I didn't have my uh, my 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 sketchbook and my my pencils and my mind preoccupied um, I would have lost the fight I think I would have lost it um, I also had something in mind that was like my goal because um, I have a, I have a show at the Tribe Museum of Art um, coming up in 2017 in May 2017 um, at the time when I found out about cancer, that was uh, I had it was two years, so it was 2015. So all that all 
the, the only thing that was in my mind was like, I can't go yet. I, I cannot die. I'm all, I have a show coming up. <laughs> I gotta prepare. I, I know that feeling, man. Yes. Yeah, I have to prepare. Yes, yeah. I got things to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, uh, and I didn't even want to say it like that in my, in my mind because I was like, well, I don't want to, something happen, you know, manifest something to where I have my show and then I croak. You know what I mean? Like, so well, that well, that's how you rationalize it because I have a, a somewhat similar uh, uh, experience where yeah. they did a blood test and they said you might have liver cancer, you might have liver mm-hmm. disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, long story short, turns out I just had fat <laughs> that came off after more extensive testing. They found right. I was just fat in my liver, but for a whole week I was scared shitless. Yes. I was thinking, you know, oh my god, like I have to prepare to tell my parents, I have to prepare to tell like my colleagues and and work and school, and then what am I gonna do? Yeah. Like you know. And, and it comes to that question of like, wait a minute, I have to finish that film. I have to finish writing that script. I can't <laughs> yeah, die yet. No. Because the question is, what am I going to leave behind? Exactly. What is, I want people to remember BBS. Yeah. And for me, at least as a creative person, I like to think I am a creative person. Mm. It's like, like it, that pressure of like, it has to be the best work I can do. Mm. Then it comes like, no, it doesn't have to, it has to be something I believe in. Yeah. Like, even if it's shitty, at least I know that I believe in this project. Is that something you went through? Yes, of course. Yeah. Of course. I mean, uh, I've done a lot of things, uh, you know, to, to help my community. And, you know, it's helped me at the same time. Uh, I also work with kids with autism. I do I do that every day from, like, 8 till 2.30 uh, for Evergreen School District. I love that job. I've been doing it for 18 years. So I know that I've done things that people will remember me by. Remember me by in a good way but it's just the fact that as an artist and my career pushing my career and pushing as far as I can with all the d- different turbulence turbulence that I've had to deal with in my life to come to this one point and be like what that's it so I get a show I'm about to create a body of work I'm gonna show at the Trident which uh, it's an accomplishment for me but I get cancer two years before and I might not make it uh no Mm-mm, this is not gonna happen i have to do this um because that's all i care about right now you know what i mean i want to be able to open up myself and show the body of work and have people come and enjoy it and ask me questions and and share that night with me um and yeah you know i want to leave something behind i want to i want to be able to i want to be that architect in my life to where i can build something and then step off and you know let go and be like okay I'm I'm okay I'm happy, you know um I'm I'm always afraid of dying you know I'm not afraid of dying I'm afraid of how I'm gonna die yeah you know that's that's one of the is this before or after the diagnosis this is before and yeah. after um my mind's always been very um very deep that way as in like I'm constantly thinking of of life and death and why do you feel that where does that come from you um you know I think I experienced death at a young age I uh, I um I, I lost my father when I was seven eight years old I was in Mexico we were about uh, to come out here uh, to United States um, my grandmother she's a citizen out here so mm. through her we were able to get you know um, what part of Mexico uh, Guadalajara Jalisco Guadalajara. okay um, and uh, I was a young buck and I wasn't really doing anything I was I was artistic um, so um, my father he had a car accident uh, not moving but uh, he was actually uh, fixing his car and the car fell on top of him um, he went out like that was he a mechanic? Uh, he wasn't, but he liked to fix his own mm-hmm. his own car and stuff. Sorry to hear that. And it's cool, thank you. Um, so you know, we lost him, and I was eight, and I realized that people can 
come and go as fast as you can blink and I think ever uh, after that moment I was kind of in um, let me choose the right word I was uh, uh, I was persuaded by the darkness I guess you could say um, I was always thinking of the afterlife I was always pretending that I was this uh, this dark entity that uh, would just walk through this earth like that's what my mind was as a young kid um, so I, I, had, I built a relationship with the darkness I guess you yeah. could say you know what I mean with my demons and um is it and you felt is a sense of you trying to understand what happened I think so I think it was a sense of trying to understand where that person goes if there is an actual place after that if there's not a place after that Um, so I began questioning a lot of things like that in that magnitude as a young kid Um, and my artwork was just the, uh, the gate that led me so you, you you were doing art at a very young age. I was uh, I wasn't doing too much art, but I was constantly getting in trouble because I wasn't doing my homework because I was always drawing. And you're in trouble in Mexico at school. Huh? Oh, that's tough, oh, man. Yeah. It's nothing compared to here. No. But, no do you have no. any siblings? I do. I have uh, an older brother and an older sister. And you guys were ra- born and raised. We were born and raised in Mexico, in Guadalajara. Mexico, uh-huh. And you came over here what age? Uh, I was around seven or eight, uh, and it was 1986. 1986. Wow. Uh, <laughs> how, how was that transition? It was hard. I mean, um, you know, we came out here legally, of course, but um, just barely lost our fa- my father a month before um, crossing, you know, a couple of states, going into the airplane for the first time in my life. It was just you, your it was, siblings, it and was your myself, mother. my mother, and my siblings, and um, you know, it was wonderful seeing all these places before we left. Uh, but then coming to a total different country, honestly, to tell you the truth, when I was a kid uh, and we were actually coming out this way, I was expecting my my whole um, my vision of what United States was in my mind was Disneyland. <laughs> right. So getting off the plane and Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse would be like, oh, welcome to USA. <laughs> How disappointed were you? I was very disappointed because <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. There's houses here. There's a car. There's It's just like yeah. Mexico, but nicer in a way. Yeah. The, uh, more space. More space. Um, <laughs> you know, I was questioned a lot. I was... Uh, called names for not speaking English I learned English in six months though um, yeah. so my the school system like they didn't know where to put me so you know I experienced all that stuff that was you know do you feel like that's where you took art a little more serious yeah that's that's where I found art as my anchor uh, that was the one thing that would break the ice for me as a kid if I didn't speak Spanish, English you know I remember one time I was uh, at lunch and I started drawing and somebody came up to me, oh, you, you draw? And I was like, uh, I just kind of said, yeah, in my own way. And I began building friendships like that. You know, uh, sometimes people would be like, hey, can you draw me this? And I'll be like, okay. And I would draw it as much as I can, you know, and people would like it. Uh-huh. And uh, I found out that, okay, well, okay, this is my icebreaker. This is the way I'm going to communicate with people until I learn English. And when I don't learn English, then there was no problem. But you know, I went through those those challenges uh, being a Mexican kid that was in the United States that didn't look Mexican because I was really fair skinned, right? Uh, uh, light blonde, light uh, brown hair, right. uh, hazel eyes. So, which is very common in that state of Jalisco. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Um, you got some German blood in you, or French, French, or one Spaniard, something like yeah. that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's how that's how it was, and I think. Uh, because of my father's death, uh, 
my mom was always working. My brother was working. Well, uh, line of work. School. Well, line of work was. My mom was doing a lot of uh, cleaning places. Like she, one time, uh, she hooked up with this uh, other uh, one of her associates, and they started cleaning Santa Clara University. They would clean out business in downtown San Jose. I would sometimes go help. Um, you know, it it was good work. You know, yeah. she, but she was constantly working, so th- there wasn't an adult around to like kind of like guide me. You know, she did she did as much as she could. I mean, she did everything she could. She sacrificed a lot. My brother and my sister did too. But unfortunately, they were out trying to keep our a uh, roof over our head. So I had enough time to mess around in school and not pay attention. I take things seriously. Now I I look back and I say, you know what. I wish I would have been on a soccer team. I wish I would have been, you know, in a club like a chess club. I wish I would have been like because I feel like those those um, things that I missed out on in high school and junior high and growing up uh, could have built me a little bit stronger. I think uh, in foundation financially, so I can be able to take care of a lot of things that I need to take care of for my own artwork. You know, right? But at the same time, uh, lacking those sort of things also made me. Uh, realize that I have the potential and the strength to overcome a lot of things that most people probably won't, you know, or they they don't go through things like that. Well, I think some of the great artists, they had to go through a lot of adversity and a sense of of being outside the box, Mm -hmm. not being part of of a community, to really look at things from a different perspective. Yeah. So I think it's fascinating that you had to go through and through that, do you feel like you were looking for like a father figure and teachers? I think always, always, uh, I always felt like, um, like say an adult was speaking, and I would just stay quiet and listen. And I would always try to do us what they ask or what they suggest or they request because um, that's how I was uh, raised. And lacking my, a father figure always gave me an opportunity to look out for someone that could fit that role. My brother was that role, but he was also dealing with a lot of his own turbulence in his right. own life, so he wasn't capable of really being there the way I would have liked someone to be there for me. But, um, in the long run, I, I mean, I was experienced, I experienced a lot of different, um, uh, mentalities. And, um, I think it helped me build my character and who I am and what I believe in. And, and I'm grateful for all those people that were able to, uh, to put in a little bit of that sand into my, you know, little bucket. Um, my mentor now, she tells me one time she said to me, People do what they can, you know. It's never, oh man, he didn't want to do it for me. Oh, he did it. It's just people do what they can. That's that's how you get. You have to be content with that because uh, if someone wants to help you, someone wants to be there, they'll do what they can to do that because they also have their own life. Right. So you have to understand that. Um, and I think it's, it's it helps me. It helps it helped me uh, prepare myself to for. Uh, upcoming like relations that I, I would meet or, or all the people that I would meet that were not in my life at that point yet you know yeah it's a, it's a good way to approach collaboration yeah definitely yeah. exactly exactly I'm, I'm grateful you know what I, I'm I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason even though sometimes it seems like whatever happens for that reason it's kind of unfair but if you look at it 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 really always uh gets better it's always not as bad as you think um and i think it's just um it's just part of life you know it builds it helps you build now you you have a choice though to let it 
take you down and send you somewhere negatively or or you have the choice to take the hits and use them for your advantage and learn from them and then proceed and progress and move on you know and sometimes unfortunately you have to fall quite a lot to to realize how to get up oh yeah oh yeah and i think my diagnosis uh was the second biggest thing that slapped me in the face that life said wake up Mm. there's more for you to learn so you you it's it's like how I was saying, no, I can't die yet. I got my show. Life is telling me, no, not yet. Yeah. you got to learn a little and, more. And before you mentioned that you're a bit all over the place when it came to art. You're, you're doing several things, but mm. it didn't seem like things you felt really mattered. But you did them because you could. But now with diagnosis, you're like, all right, what matters? I need to concentrate on what I, I really want to make. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and that's, that's basically um, developed my language a little better in my in my artistic form so I can communicate the thousands and thousands of like visions that I have or feelings that I have or yeah. that I will have at the same time you know by the mean? way how, how are you doing with the diagnosis now oh, I'm in remission Good. Um, I battled it for eight months uh, congrats took, thank you very much it, yeah. took, it took a little longer than I thought than I was told but you know whatever I had to whatever they had to do I said do it you know what I mean um what's the worst that could happen <laughs> you know what I'm saying <laughs> um but um yeah and I'm in remission I was in remission in August uh late late July and uh I think it's a couple of days ago was my first year of uh remission so okay, and wow. now I go back every three months and do follow-ups and it's always Always very scary though. Right. Always right. very scary. Cause it, remission doesn't always guarantee. No, it's, it's yeah, because yeah, it's a it's like for example, someone asked me, he goes, well, why are you so afraid of like going back? And it's like, well, before you know you have cancer, you know you have a fifty percent chance on dying anywhere. Right. But once you have been tainted, touched, infected by cancer, you'll for you'll forever in your mind have cancer in a way. Mm. Even though you go in remission, you have that guarantee that that no guarantee that it won't come back or it will come back. So you're always kind of like, okay, well, my chances are probably greater of getting cancer again than another person that has not cancer, you know. Mm. Um, and that's 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 my uh, my biggest fear, you know what I mean? It's like, but it, in a way, it's a it's like an alarm clock, you know. It's a reminder. It's like, hey, you know, stay focused, uh, stay focused, you know, take care of yourself, stay focused. Before I used to put everything else in front of me more important than, than myself. Like when I, I was working a lot um, and I would get sick, they'd be like, oh, you should go to the doctor. Oh, I have no insurance. I don't want to get a big bill. I'll just, you know, handle it, move on from it. Now it's like I feel something and I'm like, well, peace. I'm not going to work. I'm going to the doctor. I'm going to check myself. You know what I mean? I, right. I treat myself now as my temple, my own temple. Like it's more important than anything else. Yeah. Everything else can wait. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I totally hear you. In some ways, I see a bit of an... Uh, uh, a connection here to live painting where it's like short amount of time to create a piece right and in that time it's not so much about the end piece or where you started the piece it's that journey that, that journey you have that you know unlike a regular painting where like you take your time you can take two years mm-hmm. it's like nope I have two weeks or a week or a mm-hmm. day to get mm-hmm. this done yeah so so you, that, that, and you said you, you got to mix and match, and you mm-hmm. got to talk and stuff. Do, do, do you do you know where I'm going with this? No, totally. I feel <laughs> I feel like uh, you're, yeah, it's 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 dead on. Uh, 
it's it's always the experience like the end result it's it's nice of course it's the journey it's the journey that you take it's the questions it's the the road where it splits and you're like okay where do i go Mm -hmm. okay well i'm gonna go right and if it goes bad then i'm gonna handle that you know as much as i can to get to the other side it is it's the journey you know i i heard this um this uh pastor uh said something to me that resonated with me um and i've been i've been like into um like the psychology and and the dark psyche of the human brain uh, um secret geometry uh alchemy like you know questioning your existence afterlife all that and for for a really long time prior to my cancer diagnosis and all that um and i heard him say that for people that live that believe in the afterlife in eternity um, it's really important to to prepare yourself like the Egyptians always used to uh, believe too they will prepare themselves for their afterlife because life was just a moment you know what I mean right so it's just a phase exactly so I started universe. I started adopting this kind of like uh, mentality and this um, this way of thinking but I heard this pastor say like for example you have a jump rope right everybody can visualize a jump rope you, the other side of the jump rope at the end has no handle there's only one handle most people that distance from the very beginning of the handle to the end of the handle that's the lifespan of a person okay um and everyone works hard and saves money and they do so much just to keep that little bit of life happy but no one ever prepares for after the life right uh where you're gonna spend eternity so i want to spend my lifespan preparing to be a good person preparing to be self-aware preparing to help others prepare to become an actual human being because i feel that's more important than materialistic things yeah it's important because you need to have a roof over your head you're going to do everything possible to be able to take care of yourself that way but it's not the most important thing the most important thing is being part of a this uh this um, cycle of life you want to be part of building life so i want to spend all of my life that i have left or whatever to prepare for my afterlife because once i pass over and i go into the next dimension the next step of life no one knows no one really knows what's after if it's done or if it's just another door going into a bigger room Mm -hmm. and i want to find out i want to go down the rabbit hole I feel like I've done it, done it many, many times, and I've come back and I've shared it the world. Why, why, why can't it be this time like this? You know what I mean? That's that's how I think, and you know, um, there's a lot of uh, falling off the horse and getting back up again. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, but it's all it's all part of the process. It's all part of the process. You know what I mean? So how how would you since we're talking about the afterlife, mm. how would you interpret or would like to interpret the afterlife right now? I think um, I think that it could be that you uh, become part of the energy, part of uh, the universe. Um, I mean, I really feel that you know our bodies are just vessels, you know, and uh, the we're just uh, we're the space experiencing a human life. We're we're part of this. We're part of the universe in a uh, energy form, using this body. And we're experiencing what it means to be human. And I think it's a really unique experience. It's a unique trip that you, you get to to experience this. I, I have faith 
uh, I believe uh, in some religious um, you know ideologies uh, not I don't agree with everything I I feel like I relate to a lot of different uh, religions not just one um, and that's why I call it faith like uh, I think the ultimate goal for for everyone is to be enlightened somehow at the very end of your life um, I don't think that's I think that's what much everybody wants to do um, so I feel like uh, it's either that or you get reincarnated or you know it's it's a it's a it's a subject that there's a lot of different uh, thoughts and you know opinions <laughs> about it you know what I mean right but but do you feel because as you mentioned when you're younger you mm. saw the dark side of things mm. now talking to you it seems like you're seeing the brighter side of things yeah so you, you've really got to dwell had you know experience and the time to dwell on both sides mm. of, of of the of the subject mm -hmm. so I just find it fascinating how over the time it, it has changed no it, it does it has changed a you're lot. optimistic that's but what you, I'm trying but to say. you know what the thing is that that through all that you find optimism right you find to be an optimistic person but at the same time, you realize that you have always been and you will still be a very pessimistic person because that darkness is still there with you. Like the, that darkness for me was my foundation, is my foundation. So even though that I have surpassed this darkness, this mentality, um, it's still there pushing what I know now. You know what I mean? I feel that if it wasn't there, I'd just fall right off my feet again. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, right. So it's I, I remember I called it... Uh, I used to refer to the darkness as a demon. I used to always, uh, in my paintings or my, my drawings, I used to always draw this dark element entity behind me, like breathing down my neck almost, you know, trying to you still whis draw it? whisper to me. Uh, I actually did for, for a show, uh, was called Seed, and it was a Heart of Chaos um, collaboration with Al Seattle. He's one of the greatest artists here in San Jose and the Bay Area. We, uh, we had this show called Seed, and it was uh, the origin of your inspiration. And it was perfect for me because I said, oh, I'm going to do one of my demons because that's one of my seeds. That's one of the origins of my inspiration. Without that darkness, I wouldn't have been able to be so creative. Mm -hmm. I, I would always draw demented and contorted like bodies. And I always wanted to get that, that reaction out of someone like, ooh of that you know what I mean that, that was such a good thing for me because right. I knew that it's imprinted in your mind you know right. get some and shock uh, value yeah. In yeah so I did this piece, piece called uh, Demon Breathing Down My Neck and it was basically a person a humanoid that was in a fetus position sitting down squatting down with his uh, with his wrists tied shackled onto the ground with a huge 12 inch maybe 20 inch uh, uh, nail um and then there was this uh, humanoid figure, bigger than the, the actual human, kind of hovering over him, like nurturing him, not touching him at all, but just having his arms around him, kind of like a whispering and 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 magically like uh, hypnotizing this person to stay suppressed, you know, stay in that turbulence. Um, but through the spine uh, of the humanoid, the the human uh, person, there was a tree tree trunk that grew out towards the sun and on the branches there's a couple of human eyes there's just eyeballs um, and so this humanoid face that's nurturing this human um, this demon right uh, she has the face of a of a skull and she has long black hair the black hair means uh, it she it's a woman so it's like um, 
it, it hypnotizes you with the beauty with uh, with the illusion of beauty um, it's naked because it wants to show you that it's just like you it's vulnerable but it's not it's just uh, keeping you hypnotized even more she has a fake jewel on her forehead which means the fake uh, third eye she seems to be wise but she's not she's just trying to entice you she's trying to shackle you uh, there's rays coming out of her like if it's a if it's a something like a, like a saint but it's not they turn it, it turns into a web so it's a metaphor for you get caught in her illusion you can't get away mm -hmm. um, and um, I called it a break down my neck and I did that in actually one night because I had done a, a piece for that show but it broke because I, I dropped it and it broke and so I couldn't do anything else I said what can I do what can I do and I pulled it off. I did charcoal piece, uh, an eight eight foot by four foot um, panel, uh, wood panel, and I I did all in charcoal. And I did this piece, and I brought it out the next day. It took me one whole night. I started at seven thirty p.m. on Friday, ended up at uh, eight thirty in the morning on Saturday. It's like you were hypnotized to finish this piece. And the crazy she, part, she got you, man. Yeah, no, no. And the crazy part is that what you were talking about, like the process that's more important, like. During my process, I started at 7.30, and around 10.30, I hit a wall, and I was I was hating my piece. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm done. I'm not going to... I am I was looking at my piece, and I was like, I'm done with you. I'm not doing this. I know where you're taking me. I don't want to go there. You know what? Screw you. I'm done. And I was I was thinking, you know what? I don't need to put a, a piece on that show. Fuck the show. You know? If, if I'm not ready, I'm not ready. Whatever. And I just stood back for like 10 minutes, and I was looking at my piece, kind of like... I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. And then all of a sudden, uh, I called a friend, and my friend Susie, uh, she, Susie Sarate, she, uh, she starts talking to me. She, she rolls by, and she looks at it. She goes, "Dude, you gotta keep doing it. You know, this is what you should do. Try this." And I said, "All right." And I looked at it, and I walked up to it, and I started trying something, and then boom, never stopped. I, I kept on going until eight thirty in the morning. She left uh, way before that, but um. I finished it and I stood by and I was like, I got you. I'm like, I, I outdid you. I out, um, I outdid you. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, yeah. And I said, thanks. And I just, I took my piece to the show and I installed it and it was welcome. Very nice. And, uh, after that, um, I ended up, uh, working with, uh, participating with, uh, Tribe Museum of Art, uh, Preston Metcalf. He's a chief curator there. Um, he had a couple of lectures about you know art and uh, the influence on art in our history and stuff like that. Um, it was very enticing, very uh, uh, hypnotizing for me because it's stuff that I already knew, but um, heard again, like I hearing it again, kind of like inspired you more into the direction where I'm going now. And uh, he saw some of my work because he says that there was having a show, uh, a tribute to John Lennon, and there was going to be a show called Imagine. And he says, just, you know, that wordy, that, that, that song Imagine, we're going to have a, uh, a group show. So we would like for you to be there if you're interested. And I said, well, you know, uh, I'll show you. I'll, so, I'll show something like this. And I showed him a picture on my phone, which was that one piece that I finished in one night. And he said, okay, cool. You're in. And I was like, oh. Right. Because John Lennon, you associate that with like peace, you right. know. Right. And that's how I was kind of like, whoa, okay. <laughs> and I said, well, it's going to be something like it. Not exactly this piece. He goes, whatever you bring me of this type of like work, bring it to me. And I was like, okay, well, all right. And that's when the second part of that one piece was born. And so I called it orchestrated religion. So I did an exact identical piece 
for the other side. So now I have two sides. I have the demon side and I have the angel side. Mm. And then I put them two, uh, two, uh, two and two together and it creates this one piece called orchestrate religion. And it's basically talking about imagine there was no heaven, imagine there was no hell and just people under one sky. So the eyes on the tree, which is replicated into another set, now it's six different eyes. And that's a representation of people reaching towards the sun, reaching like uh, it's under the one sky. It's meaning the actual essence of a human soul trying to find the light. You know what I mean? Above religion. Right. You know what I'm saying? So. I hear you. Now, that demon that you drew, mm-hmm. you say that this is the same demon that you drew over time? just Or, or do you feel like each demon's different? Yeah, I th- I think it's the same entity. Same entity. It's, it's just, just different diff- forms. Different forms. Mm-hmm. Did you name this entity? <sighs> no, I didn't. No. Actually, it has no name. It has many names. Um, many names. Yeah, but uh, my my uh, the the curator uh, Preston Metcalf he he said something very interesting that resonated in my mind, and uh, it, it was something that he called my artwork. He called it romantic. He goes dark romanticism. So um, it's something that. It's very dark, but you built this romance with, and I, and it described it very well for me because I always felt, um, in in a lack of better word, in love with my darkness, mm-hmm. with the with the pain, you know what I mean. So I built this like love and hate relationship with it, because um, it motivates you, man. It does. It does. It, for me, in my writing, definitely. Yeah. Uh, you you have to go to a dark place of to course. to figure out these are real struggles. These of are course. real emotions. Of course. You know, it's something I say, you know, maybe too much, but I say I think for a creative person is to be comfortable, not necessarily a good place. Because when you're comfortable, you don't have this motivation to do something or to change something mm-hmm. or, or to express something. Because you're already comfortable. You don't need to express anything. Mm-hmm. But when you come from a place that's darker or that's painful or that's suffering, whether it's emotionally or physically, it's like it brings out something beautiful, I feel. This is from, and that's one of the reasons why I love a lot of creative works from blue collar working class artists. Mm-hmm. And I think you came, from, yeah, you came from a, a yeah. blue collar working class yeah, family, because it, it, it's ingrained in you. Yeah, it's it is. It's it's in your genes. It's in your roots. Uh, you know, people that don't struggle as much, uh, and we're not even saying that they don't have that same creative process. I'm sure they they manifest it through their own turbulence of whatever magnitude that is. But, um, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you say you're a writer. You know, I like to write. And anytime I write, it's not pretty. It's right. it's not like I can't write rainbows and clouds. You know, I, I mean, although I love it and I would love to, you know, I would probably be a songwriter, you know, if, uh, if I could, you know, uh, exchange. Um, I ask this question to my, uh, my colleagues many times. I say, if there was one other profession that you, that you could do, and you can trade all your all your creations and your your talent for the creative arts, just to do this other profession. What would it be? And then someone said, "Oh, I would be uh, with music, or uh, I would be an architect, or I would be." And they asked me, "Well, what would you do?" And I said, "I would sing. I would love to sing because I feel like I feel like to me that through words and and uh, your voice, um, it's it's such an abstract way of like." having someone else get impact because you can draw pictures all you want and images but if the person doesn't know the narrative of it 
in the meaning of it, they could just get lost in the images and be like, oh, that's kind of, whoa, that's scary. I don't, I don't even know what that means. But if you write them something very soothing, very dark, very enticing, very strong, and you sing it, man, it's just, I feel it's like the ultimate, like, release of, like, just, uh, you know? My dad, uh, my dad used to play the guitar, and he used to sing, and I grew up listening to my father sing all the time. So I feel that's where it comes from, but um, you're right, like, every time I am going to do a project, I, I it's like Mary Poppins. She, everywhere she goes, she opens up that bag, and she pulls everything she needs to pull out to just make herself a com- comfortable wherever she's at. <laughs> That's I'm I'm a Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah, you got Mary Poppins with a suitcase full of darkness. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's kind of a cool movie right there. <laughs> so that, that kind of is that how it works for you, where it goes from the the idea in your head to to the canvas. First, you have to put yourself in that in that mindset. Um, I think uh, I, I think sometimes when you want to do like say like for example like my body of work that I'm um, creating for the the Triad Museum, that's that's where I go. That's exactly where I, I stand. And sometimes it's not easy. Now we say the Triad Museum because mm-hmm. I'm still learning the the art mm-hmm. scene here. Where is that and what is that? That is uh, actually in San Jose, uh, Santa Clara, but uh, it's uh, called the Triad Museum of Art, and it's um, it's close to the uh, to the Santa Clara University. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an it's it's a great museum. I mean, they have great artwork all the time, and it's always community based too. They do a lot of community. Is stuff. is on the Amadan? Yes. Okay. Uh, I think Alameda, I believe Amadan. Oh, uh, the Alameda. Yeah, the yeah, Alameda. That's Alameda. my fault. Sorry about that. I always get those confused. I, I should know better. Coming. <laughs> <laughs> so, how long have you been in San Jose for? Um, I think since 1987. Okay, so this is where yeah. your family settled. I, I, I feel like I'm just just yeah. as na- native as yeah. any, anybody else is from San Jose. How how would you best describe the art scene right now in San Jose, and how was it different from when you, you first started to be in it? Well, um, I used to look up to a lot of different artists that I didn't know their names uh, at that time. Uh, there's one artist called Aladdin that used to be very um active uh, in San Jose he's also uh, played a lot of music and stuff and I grew up in the electronic music the rave scene and stuff the house music so I got all my um, uh, inspiration from all that and then going to San Francisco Oakland uh, you know different places to go experience his parties uh, and meeting a lot of people that were artists and they would do stuff and San Francisco was always like the place to go for art uh, when I was younger um, I used to do a lot of uh graffiti when I was a kid on my own um, I didn't really do anything big with like groups or anything because I just uh, always kind of felt like being alone at those times uh, so you feel like you're more of a tiger yeah <laughs> well uh, a bomber I guess you could a say because I used That's to go out and, and bomb some, you know, some characters and stuff like that it was just drawing for me um, but later on after that I kind of like saw a lot of friends uh, take different routes and I just decided to go somewhere else and uh and then I started like uh, finding out about Phantom Galleries and Phantom Galleries is with uh, Sherry Lakey and uh, Brian Eder and uh, uh, through them and Heart of Chaos I began to experience the community and before it was starting it was uh, gaining good momentum and there was a lot of like people getting together and it was more experiencing and getting to know people but as I am standing here right now like the the scene in San Jose it's there's so much talent I mean it's just a lot of talent and I feel like San Jose has a lot to bring to the table 
and uh, the amount of artists and the next generations that are coming uh, is just uh, bombarded with like with talented you know artists and I'm very proud to be from San Jose I've always uh, expressed that as like if I you know when I ever make it and everywhere I go like I will always rep San Jose because that's where I found my foundation this is where I I found my home and this is where I got most of my ideas and the people inspired my artwork and and all that so yeah I feel like it's, it's it's different I feel like it's a it's different because I'm part of this generation and I'm in this time of my life right now but I feel like someone else that was an artist uh, at my age back then in like what 1995 I would say they're probably thinking hey you know San Jose is just as cool as I say it is now it's just different perspectives different um, different times you know in people's lives but I think that's there's always been talent here and there's way more coming I have so many friends that are so talented uh, off the top of my head right now I could uh, I could say my friend uh, uh, Patrick Huffmeister Michael Borgia Michael Foley Lacey Bryan uh, you know, um, Abel Gonzalez, uh, John Barrick. Uh, I mean, all these people I could get on this podcast, <laughs> dude. I mean, I'm telling you, I, I will let my friends know. I mean, if you're if you're <laughs> open to it, I'll bring people down your way. Well, like I said, I, I'm opening this podcast to more artists, mm. and I'm learning so much. And I, I feel like I feel like like it's something. It's pretty common with a lot of people from San Jose, was they take for granted really what this region has to offer. Because again, growing up young, you're told. SF Oakland that's where it's at mm-hmm. but now that I'm older and now that you know I'm, I'm putting myself and I'm meeting and talking to people with, with different communities here in San Jose I'm learning wow there is a lot of art galleries there's a lot of photographers there's a lot of people who, who are involved mm-hmm. with creative endeavors mm-hmm. so for me it's like a big eye opener you know because these are resources to collaborate with everyone and me as a film student because I'm a filmmaker mm-hmm. uh, like I was like LA San Jose San, uh, I mean LA New York or maybe SF. I was like, you know what? Here in San Jose, there's a lot that 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 can be pulled together and make something very beautiful and distinct. San Jose, yeah, of course, you know, of course. And it's funny because, because again, it's like I feel like such a fool. It's like like I'm always learning something new about the art scene here, or mm-hmm. about the music scene, or mm-hmm. about the comedy scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so it's one of the reasons why I have people like you coming here because I just find it fascinating and that's that's great and that's a that's a perfect way of learning I mean you're doing your your work and you're doing it the right way uh, you know I, I feel like it's 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 a matter of perception like I think any place would be great but if you just kind of skim skim over the city and you're like eh, you really don't find anything but if you involve yourself mm-hmm. into the dynamic of the city you'll find out that you know what it's not just so surface it's 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 deep there's a lot of people that feel very strong about their art and i mean like i said uh there's probably like hundreds of way way more established better artists than i am before i i uh i started or you know now in my prime here uh i respect so many other artists i looked up so many artists um and you know uh, the city itself like I love my city and all, but there could be a little more um, of the city's participation and like focusing on the artists. It's like, for example, like if you want art in the streets, don't hire someone from overseas or somewhere to come out here and then, you know, do some artistic. I mean, you can, but when you have a melting pot of nothing but talented artists here in San Jose, 
why not get it local? You know what I mean? Support your city, support your people. I'm not saying that the San Jose doesn't. I'm just saying that there could be more of that. You know what I mean? Like for example, like the rent uh, renting space for artists. It's it's hard enough out there already, and um, you know there's there's gotta be more uh, rented space for artists, like for studios or for just you know to live and stuff. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that would be a great a great thing to uh, to see in San Jose build it up like san francisco um i think san francisco and oakland they already have a lot they already have so much you know i mean it's time to to make san jose just as uh as good as you know these other places that people think like oh well arts oh san francisco oakland now people should be like hey san francisco oakland san jose you know what i mean because there's a lot of artists here and great talent talented artists Mm. Now, we're reaching the one-hour mark, mm-hmm. which means we're, we're closing down pretty soon. Cool. Uh, one last question. Yep. If you were to see yourself when you were younger, let's say 87, when you got here at 87, mm. what is some, one, some advice you would tell yourself? So if, um, okay, so what would I tell myself? Oh, all right. It's just uh, stay true. Stay true to yourself. Stay true to what you believe. Stay true and just stay focused. That's that's what I would do. I, I wouldn't want to tell myself make better choices because uh, if I tell myself make better choices, it would be to be in a better place, a bigger house, whatever. But I wouldn't want to like uh, misguide myself that way. I think I would just say stay strong, stay true to your route, to what you believe on, and I would just let myself choose just like how I choose because it's I, I've learned a lot and I think that if I would have had a different life I probably wouldn't be as aware as I am now hmm. you know what I mean and what's something you would offer for anybody listening that's a young artist I would say um, don't let anyone anyone tell you that you cannot be who you want to be um, but always do everything that you want to do with humbleness and with just being true yourself never inflict pain never inflict suffer to anyone else just take care of yourself that way and take care of your uh, your your fellow you know humans and people around you you know that's that's what I should say yeah sounds good Miguel thank you for coming no, where, can you. People, where can people check out your stuff well, I am on Facebook. Uh, my artist page is uh, Arte Machuca 33. I have an Instagram, which is Arte Machuca 33. That's A-R-T-E-M-A-C-H-U-C-A 33. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as Arte Machuca. Um, and uh, I will have my uh, website running pretty, pretty, pretty soon. Do you have any upcoming shows people can check out? Um, actually, I'm going to be working with Lacey Bryan, which is at Great America. We're going to be doing this Mardi Gras show for uh, Chalk Art. I'm going to be doing that, uh, I think it's July 23 and the July 30th. And then I'm going to do a, a show with Chris Reed around August at uh, Art Boutique in San Jose at the Alameda. Uh, and just uh, look out for my show 2017 and uh, around May at the Tribe Museum of Art. Sounds good. Miguel, thank you for coming. No, thank you very much. like the opportunity. Thank you.